I, I want to start over and do Genesis again. That's, that's kind of, like I got to the end and I started going, oh, now I'm getting it. Now I'll go back and do it again. I won't do that to you, I promise. But, but boy, the more you learn, the more you start, wait, that was, and you want to reach back and it's, it's tough not to do it. And, and I only have a few minutes each week. So, um, so anyway, I, I hope you're with me here in Genesis 48. I'm calling this today, The Power of Blessing. And uh, I, I just want you to take a moment before I read any scripture or anything. And if you got some paper, pen close by, write down your definition of blessing. While I'm talking, just go ahead. What you think a blessing is. And we'll, I'll, I'll address that in just, in just a moment. In this chapter, we see what's going to happen is Jacob is going to um, bless Joseph and his two sons. And uh, we're going to learn a couple of things here today out of that, hopefully. And, uh, and hope we will... We'll see it. And uh, so I want to read just the first couple of verses in Genesis 48. I don't know what just came online, but I hear it. So it's like a fan. I guess we're all right. All right. Um, Sorry. It just sometimes noises get to me. Uh, Genesis 48. If you want to stand up, that'll be helpful uh, for you. The first two verses after this, it just sets the scene. After this, excuse me, Joseph was told Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we come to this book uh, named The Beginnings, The Originations, uh, Lord, how our minds have been opened to see that everything in the Word has a root here in Genesis and that you are painting a picture you're hinting to us of things to come in the rest of the revelation and and that we see this progress of understanding of revelation of of your ultimate plan that was made before you ever made the world before you set in the word before the foundation of the world and and of creation you already had written this plan out and so Lord we rejoice to see it's unfolding and Lord, we today, standing here in this place at this time, uh, we have a sense and a feeling that the end is coming on us quickly. We, we might be wrong because we don't know the future. Only you do. In fact, you told us, Lord Jesus, that the Father is the only one who knew the day of that coming. And that uh, at least before you left, he had kept that to himself. But there's coming a day when, when the call will go out and you will return. And we just sang about it. You're going to make a new creation. We, we're going to reign with you as, uh, uh, as co-regents here on this earth. And so, Lord, I pray that today we will be preparing ourselves for that day. Lord, indeed, the Apostle Paul only saw those two days, today and that day. And so, Lord, I pray that we would live in this day and we would look forward to that day as we go forward. Open our eyes of understanding, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. That we might understand your word and, and Lord in all these things be glorified. Amen. You can be seated. What I want you to take home with you today is no matter where we are in life, it is our duty to bless. And uh, I'm going to define bless in a, in a certain way. Uh, I, I, I've been trying to think of, of maybe a specific uh, illustration to begin uh, that would relate to me. And I didn't come up with one specific thing, but I do know this. I talk about 
a lot what my father did. And my father was not the kind of guy. I, I have friends and I know people that sit down with their children and just they have a, a, a planned time and they just do those things and I admire that. That's a great thing to do. But my dad just wasn't that guy. You know, he, he had a sixth grade education and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but he read his word, the word every day. And the way he lived his life blessed me. The way my mom lived her life, choices she made, blessed me and taught me things that him sitting down and telling me about them would have never taught me. And I'm so appreciative of that. I don't know what you wrote down for blessing. So many times we say the word bless or blessing, we think of a prayer before we eat, and that's fine. But the Bible says that we're to bless God. So how do you define that? Here, here's what I think blessing is in a general way. This, isn't a, this is not a dictionary uh, uh, illustration. You had a smartphone, you might could have gone to your dictionary and looked up the word bless and see what it said. Uh, and that would probably be a better thing than, than maybe what I'm going to say. But a blessing is something that we give or attribute to someone else. Now, to do that, you've got to have something yourself. So we think about blessing the Lord. How in the world can we give God anything? In fact, God said that about building the temple to David. I'm God. I made heaven and earth. Who do you think you are to be able to bless me? You know? So, uh, so what do we have to give God? I'll tell you what he gave you. What God gave you in knowledge of who he is and salvation, all those things, we can give that back to him, at least acknowledge it in prayer. I don't know if you were listening to that prayer that Pastor Stephen read, but he talked about how the Lord saved the, that person and, and how he was with that person and, and how he wanted others to know the Lord. It was just, it was so, so good. I'm reminded of my own life as I was talking about my parents. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 16. 6, and I'll read 6 and 7 to you, and you can just listen in. And it says this, the Lord, uh, it's actually, uh, yeah, chapter uh, 16, verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot, or you hold my, what, God, what I have coming, my inheritance. And then it says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance now we get that from the lord the lord is our inheritance the bible lets us know that jesus says i am the reward he is our reward and our inheritance but in, in relating to my parents i just think they man I, I just had a great lineage i had a great parents that loved christ and and wanted to serve the lord to the best of their ability and their knowledge and and that example was awesome and so my my question and what i want you to catch in all of this as we go forward is you have an obligation to bless other people because you have been blessed by God. God has given you something. He's given you salvation, right? I'm going to try to pause more and ask more questions. So God has given you salvation if you know the Lord, right? Anybody in here earned it? Because we need to have a discussion afterwards if you thought that, all right? Because nobody ever has, nobody ever will. The only perfect man was Christ. And so, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so we can't earn it. So, we, we don't have anything of ourselves to bring. The hymn writer wrote that. Uh, it says, to the, when it talks about clinging to the cross, it says, Nothing in my hand I bring, only to your cross I cling. Because God had to pay it all for us to be saved. But when he gave us salvation, how did he give us salvation? We have the Holy Spirit living in us. 
He is our down payment. He is, he is the knowledge that God has purchased us out of the world and that he's going to redeem that purchase one day totally, completely when we're with him. You following me? All right, so if we have all that, is that transferable to someone else? I mean, I have a plane ticket to go to Africa in two weeks. It's not transferable. I can't give that to you and bless you with that. At least, I don't think I can. Some things you buy or have that, that is a, a privilege or an opportunity are not transferable to somebody else. If you bought it, it's yours, right? Well, salvation is not like that. Because number one, you didn't buy it. Jesus bought it, and it's a gift to you, right? So number one, I ought to create gratitude to give to God, correct? Secondly, in Ephesians, and we'll look at Ephesians later today, not in the sermon, but it says that we ought to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have. In other words, we are called to be Christians in this world. Well, what should a Christian do? We're here to share Christ. If God just wanted to save you and give you full knowledge and make you perfect, he'd have killed you as soon as you got saved. Because only heaven's going to perfect us and open our minds to enough knowledge that he, that he wants to eventually give us, right? So why did he leave us here? He wants us to be learning, learning what faith means, learning what trust means, learning, learning what God, who God is in a way that is meaningful so we can share him with other people. How much of Jesus do you have to know before you can share him with someone else? Uh, think about that for a second. How much of Jesus do you need to know? I'll tell you. You need to know that he saved you. That's all you need to know to share him with someone else. Now, I'm not saying you can't learn a whole lot more. But that's all it takes. You think of the, the blind man and, and Jesus healed him. And then the Pharisees got all mad because he was healed on the Sabbath. And they, they want to get to Jesus. So they start asking him questions. And Jesus healed him and just disappeared. The guy never even saw Jesus. He healed him of his blindness, but he never laid eyes on Christ. He, Jesus just got out of there before his eyes opened. And so they were all mad at him. And they asked his parents, hey, is this your son? Because we think he's lying. We think they're making up that he was blind. And now he can say, oh, no, that's our son. He was blind from birth. And they said, well, what happened to him? And they said, we don't know because they were scared of him. They said, you ask him. And so they asked him. And he said, this guy healed me. And, and, and they said, well, we know he's an evil man. And he said, I don't know if he's evil or good. All I know is I was blind. Now I can see. Maybe you need to be his disciples. And then they really got mad. <laughs> And so they kicked him out, and when he got out there, Jesus was there, and he said, hey, do you know who I am? He said, no. He said, I'm the guy who healed you. Really? And then Jesus revealed more of himself to him. I want you to notice, Jesus didn't reappear and re reveal more of himself to him until he lived up to the knowledge he had, which was, I was blind. Now I can see. And he testified of Christ before people that would have wanted to stone him for that. You following where I'm coming from here? Jacob has a lot to give, and he's got to bless his children with what God's given him. He's got to transfer it to them. In these first couple of verses, I, I want you to, to hear what happens. Let me go ahead and read verse 3 and 4 just for uh, shortage's sake. It's easier to do. Um, and Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. So Isaac tell, I mean, Jacob tells Joseph 
what God had done to him and what God had done for him. Jacob left something out of that. And we'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But Jacob has become ill. We've already read. Joseph comes in. He responds to that. And he brings his two sons with him. And look back in chapter 47. Because your Bible's open to it. And look at verse 31. Um, the last verse. And he said, swear to me. And he swore to him that Israel bowed himself. And it says upon the head of his bed in the ESV. And I don't know why ESV did that. Because that word also means his staff. And I think that's a better word. I think they, sh they should have translated that way. Context determines usually. And for millennia we thought it was his staff. And I still do. And here's why I believe that's important. Why did Jacob have a staff? Think about that for a second. You say, well, he was a shepherd. Yeah, but he's 117 years old. I mean, 147 years old now. He's not out there running sheep around. Thank you, sir. Leroy, right here on the front row, brother. You, tell him what he wins, Jay. <laughs> no, um, you get a two-week paid vacation to Verona. No, I'm kidding. Um, just joking if you're from Verona. God bless you. I'm just kidding. All right. No, exactly. If you didn't hear Leroy, here's what he said. Because he wrestled with Jesus and messed up his hip. And for the rest of his life, every step he took was... Reminded of God. Remember in chapter 47, rehearsing his life before Pharaoh, he said, my days are short and they've been bad every day. He changes his tune in chapter 48. He bows on that staff and worships the God who made him have to have a staff. You see, some of us think that those difficulties and those things that have come into our life that have injured our spirit and our mind, our soul, our body, whatever it is, we think of those as bad things, but those are God's reminders that he is with you, that he, is, he, he wants the best from you. And, and even we think about the greatest Christian world. I mean, this goes so contrary to so much that's out there that God wants to bless you and he wants to make you healthy, he wants to make you wealthy, wants to take care of you. He does and he will in his time and his will. But what God wants of you is holiness, not happiness. And that is a much greater gift than happiness. Because happiness has to be determined by my circumstances. Holiness, I can have that separated unto the Lord no matter what my circumstances are. And Jacob worships on the head of that staff representing his wounds that came to him from Jesus. And from that, he realizes all of those years of pain were God's blessing in his life. I think that's important. He's been 17 years in Egypt now. And I would point out that Jacob, just like many men, if you want to look in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 11, uh, they never saw the promise. They never received what God told them they would have. Abraham didn't get it. Isaac didn't get it. Jacob's didn't, Jacob didn't get it. It doesn't come for 300 more years to the people of uh, uh, the Jewish people. But in Hebrews 11... 13 through 16, listen to this. <clears throat> These all died in faith. When they died, they were still believing and trusting God to fulfill His promise. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. You see, the promised land was so real to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, though they never got to see it, they saw it with eyes of faith coming. And so they were content that God was on the way with what he had promised them. Just like we know heaven's coming. 
but it's not here yet because you're not living your best life now you're living your worst life now your best life is there and the more you are in tune with Christ the more you long to be in that place these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth we talked about that a couple of weeks ago we don't belong here we are strangers here we're exiles here for people uh, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they'd been thinking of the land from which they had gone out they would have had opportunity to return Jacob could have stayed there but as it is they desire a better country that is a heavenly one therefore because of this God is not ashamed to be called their God and he has prepared for them a city in other words Hebrews 11 is telling us that if you want to build your kingdom here fine but God loves those ones who are looking for a better one to come right and in fact uh, a few verses later it starts talking about Abraham and Isaac and down in verse 21 of Hebrews 11 by faith Jacob when dying blessed the sons of Joseph and that's the chapter we're in bowing in worship over the head of his staff and that's why I still believe in Genesis 48 it should be staff because Greek has a word for it and it could they could have used any word but they translate the Hebrew word to mean staff there so this paints a picture with us Jacob is now passing on the covenant in these verses he's telling Joseph here's the heritage Here's what you got coming. God promised it to Abraham. He promised it to Isaac in person. God showed up to each one of them. And then he promised it to me. And I'm going to tell you about it. What's the difference there? Those first three, God told them personally. Now it is the father's responsibility to tell his son, this is God's inheritance for you. Now, do you, do you say, well, I'm not a Jew. So we don't have a land to look forward to. We don't have a homeland. Hold on, weren't you just listening to what I read in Hebrews? We do have a homeland. And we'll never get there as long as you're breathing earth's air in the, in the earth suit you're in. You've got to shed this earth suit to get there. And then God's going to give you a better one later. They can live there. You following me? Amen. Let me be more plain. Heaven is your homeland. Amen. That's where we're headed, right? So we don't have to, we, we can be content with knowing that and live as aliens and exiles in this world because this is no longer where we belong. We belong somewhere else. And so Jacob is telling Joseph this. Here's where Jacob failed in this. What God told Abraham, what God told Isaac, and what God told Jacob, one part of it, Jacob doesn't tell Joseph. And that is, and you will be a blessing to all the nations. Now, did that affect the next couple of thousand years maybe I, I I can't say for sure but I know Jacob failed to pass that on to Joseph you're not to keep this just in the family this is for the whole world because God's going to send the Messiah through Judah one of Je Joseph's brothers right well then we see this command where Jacob blesses the two sons of Joseph and these two sons were born to Joseph in Egypt and, and Jacob didn't get to see them uh, until they were some bit older, probably, uh, you know, they're probably in their teens at this time since Jacob's been there 17 years, didn't get to Egypt for 20 years. 
so these boys are not just little kids. I always think of them as little tiny kids, but they're, they're probably a little bit older. And, when it, and the Bible says here in chapter 48, uh, when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? And Joseph said, Father, they're my sons whom God has given me here. And he, and he uh, sorry, uh, and he said, Bring them to me, uh, please, that I may bless them. And now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left, and Manasseh on his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near to him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim, and his left hand and put it on the head of Manasseh, the, uh, the firstborn. Well, you use the right hand in biblical times. This is the arm of strength. Benjamin means son, Ben of my right arm or right of my strength. And he begins to bless them. Jacob changes the list of 12 here. He says, instead of you, Joseph, in the verses I didn't read, he says, I'm going to make your sons my sons. Now, he's not adopting them. What he's saying is, the inheritance that you received, I'm going to give it to both of your boys. So they got to kind of split it. But Joseph's portion in God's kingdom comes to these boys. And so he changes the 12 boys now. Now you got 13 boys. So when they divided the land after the exodus, they didn't give the Levites a land because they were supposed to be priests throughout all the land. So they'd get cities in different places. They, they, could, they had some property and things they could claim as their own, but they're supposed to be the priest. The list in Revelation is different again. There's never a list that has the same 12 in it, but Jacob uh, changes it right here. It's always different, and he's going to give these boys an inheritance. And when he, when he crossed his arms, Joseph said, uh, Dad, that, that's the wrong order. He said, I know what I'm doing, son. Leave it alone. And here's what Jacob says. Uh, in this blessing he says the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked who's been my shepherd all thy life long to this day the angel who has redeemed me from evil and referring to that angel is Christ bless the boys and in them let my name be carried on and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into multitude in the midst of the earth and here's Joseph said dad you got them on the wrong heads he said no this is the way I'm going to do it. And same thing that happened to Jacob, right? He wasn't the firstborn, but he got the firstborn's blessing. And so he blessed him saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And, and they did. Uh, Manasseh became a very large tribe. And then he put Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. More I've given to you. Rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and my bow. That was Shechem. Remember, Abraham had trouble in Shechem. Isaac had trouble in Shechem. Jacob had trouble in Shechem. He said, when you get back, Joseph, that's yours. I'm giving you that spot. I, I fought for it, and I got it, and so I'm giving it to you. I want you to notice in what I just read there in the Scripture that now Isaac acknowledges God. Back there before Pharaoh, he didn't do that. He didn't acknowledge God as a deliverer, as a shepherd. In this text, he calls God his shepherd. 
He's the one, because he is a shepherd, he gets what that means, that, that God had shepherded him, he had protected him, he gave him the food he needed, he gave him safety, he, he's given him long life, even if he counts it as short, we don't. I mean, 147 years, pretty good long time to be alive, uh, probably longer than most of you want to be, but uh, pretty long time, according to how old you are. If you're really young, you might think that's cool. When you're a little older, you go, you know, that's not as good as I thought it'd be, right? But... But in this blessing, Jacob acknowledges God as being the source of everything he ever needed. God took care of him. He calls him his shepherd. He calls him his deliverer. Now, if you were in the care of a shepherd, do the sheep go up to the shepherd and go, we don't like it here. We want a different pasture. No, that's the shepherd's job. Figure that out, right? And a good shepherd does. And he takes his sheep to a good spot, right? And so, my point being, why do we complain to God? If he's our shepherd, he knows what we need. He says, I know it before you know it, and I'm already making provision to provide it. So, in the midst of our need, we ought to be blessing God. We ought to be saying, God, you, you said you'd be our father. You said you'd be our shepherd. You know what I need. See, the problem is what we think we need may not be what we need. I mean, I've seen little kids ask for stuff that they shouldn't have. They thought they needed it. They thought their world was going to come to an end if they didn't get it. Go to any grocery store and just hang out for a little while, and you'll see that happen. Put that back. Put that. I said, put it back. You know, mom, can I? No. Man, they put them candy bars at kids' height. You notice that? I want this. No, put it back. Put it back. And then it melt down, and all that stuff happens. We're just like little kids. We get bigger. We get older. We don't get much smarter. And Jacob blesses these boys, and he speaks prophetically. And he finishes that blessing there in verse 20. Notice what he says again. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And that did happen. And Israel does pronounce blessings on people. And he finishes that blessing and he gives Joseph that spot of land because Jacob loved him. Now, in the next chapter, he's going to say something to each boy. Okay? He's going to talk about each of his sons and give them an inheritance. But this is a special one. This is Jacob's favorite boy. And remember the analogy. And boy, that, this is one of the reasons I want to go back. The analogy of of, of Joseph being like Christ, he comes before the Father. The Father blesses him, and he blesses his children, children of God, brought to God by Christ. Right? That's who we are. And God's blessed us, and he intends for us to go into all the world and to bless others. I, I, I want you to get a few things here. One, it's, not, it's never too late to change your legacy. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You ought to, right now, decide you're going to obey God completely. That you want to surrender completely. And that you want to pass on what God has given you to other people. That's how you bless them. You bless them by giving them Jesus. Because isn't that the need of every man? The need of every man is a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it's never too late to change that. Sometimes we get to be senior citizens and we think that we've lost our effectiveness. No, we haven't. I spoke to one of our senior saints this week. And they expressed their prayer and burden that the senior saints here at Calvary weren't missions-minded enough. I, I won't say who that was or anything else, but, you know, I'm thinking, amen, go ahead. That's right. That's the attitude we all need, you know. Well, you know, like, well, pray that for me. Because it's easy for us to forget that we are supposed to be sharing Christ. Just falls in line with what I was talking about. So, yeah, I asked for that prayer too. You see, God gives us a mission to bless people around us. And so, I don't, wherever you are, there's people around you that need to be blessed by you. The last question is, how are you doing in the mission? How are you doing in that mission? If that's what God has asked us to do, how are you doing in doing that? I, I pray that we would all be mindful of what God has given us and want to share that with other people. This week, and, and I didn't pray for it earlier, but I'll bring it out now. There was an attack in Sierra Leone where uh, Joe Fleming and, and our Justin and others are now working. They're bringing that program into Sierra Leone. And in Sierra Leone this week, there was an attack uh, on Christians. Many were killed, many were injured uh, by radicals uh, of another uh, false religion. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We sit here real comfortably. Here's a good Puritan quote for you. God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. And I'm afraid we are in so much pleasure that we can't hear the whispers of God. Jacob let the pain eventually drive him to God, and he bows on that staff and goes, thank you for messing up my hip so that I couldn't forget who you are. Paul said a thorn was given him in the flesh and he asked God to take it. God said, nope, that's to keep you straight. I'm going to give you grace to live with it. He will give us grace to live through our pain, whatever that is, in order to glorify him and share him with others.